reflections from a range of authors, journalists, civic leaders, historians and generally interesting people, exploring the importance of the written word, the value of a library and their own inspirations and motivations. Based at RSE Connolly, the James Connolly Visitor Centre, Belfast. Jadiva Karja, Ogus Falchigirash, Higglower at Lowerland E. Connolly. You're very welcome back to this Feel the Special episode of Glower at Lowerland E. Connolly. Today, we are delighted to be speaking to Chrissy Keenan, who was involved as a volunteer with Fela from the very early days in the late 80s and early 90s. She became the first community development officer in 1995. And in this episode, she talks about the development of the festival, how it encouraged and facilitated the talents that already existed within our communities, empowering people and giving them the chance to develop their skills. She recalls the first of her Fela drama group who took to the stage not only in West Belfast, but throughout Ireland and even all the way to Manhattan in New York. Fela and Fubble is in its 33rd year this year. It runs from the 5th to the 15th of August and details of all their events can be found on the Fela website. My first involvement with the festival was around the very first one when Jimmy Teapot McMullen was heading it up. Um, so we'd have volunteered to do doors and that for him. And then there was a whole development within Fela where it was funded. And the jobs went out for application. And I applied for the community development job and I got it. And started in May, um, the beginning of May, 1995. Obviously with Fela being in August, there was a lot of planning already done by the volunteer workers who were already there. Um, so a new staff came in um, to work alongside the existing people who were, had been running festival for a few years then. And if you go back, there was always festivals in Belfast and they were always around what they call Our Lady's birthday, around the 15th of August, there was always bonfires. And then you had internment. And I suppose the history is what it is around internment. A lot of young people lost their lives. Um, a lot of young people were criminalised. There was heavy duty conflict in our communities. Um, so the new staff came into Fela and we were handed projects. We were like, what do we do with this? So I was, I was employed as a community development worker. Jordy Murdoch was employed as the organizer for Fela concerts and stuff like that. Then we had an administrator, Moira Brown, and Dirty McManus was the director. So that was the staff. Plus you had then the management committee who were also volunteer workers. So I was given the tasks for the open day carnival parade and to build on, at the time when I started, there were seven or eight local FELA committees in the areas. So my job was to build on that and get every single community involved. And having been involved in the elections, it was very, if you know the development within the communities, people got involved in FELA and because of the success of what they were able to achieve in their own street, um, made them want to do more on their own street, so they naturally moved into residence associations and became community activists through issues, local issues in their own areas. So it didn't take long that we got, well it did, it took a few months to we got a lot of um, people wanting to do their own street parties, wanting to do their own events. And my job was to sort of coordinate all of that. So I would also be involved with local um, businesses who wanted to offer stuff out. And we'd done deals with the, the business community. Well, if you give us 
10 bouncy castles, um, we can put them in the different areas, but they'll pay a reduced rate because we're taking them en masse and we sort of built up this relationship. So all of the areas, we're getting the benefit of cheaper stuff. They also, I think what, the, the politics at the time is, you know, still in conflict, but coming out of a coming through the peace process and all the discussions that were happening at the time, there was kind of a, an hour of um, hope for the future. And a lot of the residents associations who got involved in feel has seen it as a way of bringing their whole communities together after such a traumatic time in, in the communities. So you had grannies who maybe couldn't knock doors and collect money and give leaflets out, they would be sewing the bottom in the, in the luxury of their own kitchen. So they'd all get together in somebody's kitchen. And it was that kind of community empowerment that they were doing it for themselves, which was amazing to watch. I'd be sitting in people's kitchens at midnight doing funding applications. We started up a buddy bar, like a, a support system where the old hands at applications, you know, funding applications, we would team them up with a new start committee and they would sort of shadow and learn how to do applications. So that was a brilliant, that was brilliant for, for localized stuff. Um, so you had like Tully Moore, or the Grafner, um, or the Upper Springfield coming together with somebody from St James's or somebody from Bella Murphy and sitting down with them and showing them how to do the funding applications. Not everybody wanted to do funding applications. People just wanted to collect three pound at the door and do a family fund day. And that's what was good about it too. You know, they made their own choices. People then went on to develop their own residence associations, became constituted and have grown over the years. Um, so I was given the, the carnival parade and the local community to, to sort of develop and the carnival parade was like there was a couple of bands and there was this and there was that and there was the other and floats was a big thing so we 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 so we, we hired in um local sort of artists to help make costumes we hired in costumes for people who didn't have any and we built up uh there was like the artist collective then the west belfast artist collective then got together themselves and they would work with local community groups. We'd done workshops around float building, we'd done workshops around puppeting, we'd done workshops around how to make as much noise. So we we did we brought in like the samba bands from Dublin, which encouraged people then to want to go and learn how to do it themselves, which was brilliant. So then it was becoming homegrown. And we had the kids actually doing the samba and making the noise and making the costumes. The carnival parade just grew and grew and grew. The first one that was done in 95 was amazing. It was massive. There was an air of hope and an air of um, the laughter of our children, if you like. And that was the main, that was the banner on the front of it. What happened with the drama was that the review of the 95 festival, um, we went to end on a whole day's review of how did it go, what it would think, um, the atmosphere in the communities, people were hungry, they wanted to do more. and. Having grown up in this conflict and the child of a prisoner, we would have had a lot of, I would have had a lot of knowledge of physical prisons. Um, both my parents were in prison in England, so it was, that was my life. So I was given the project for the following year for International Women's Day. And to be honest, I'm not being disrespectful, but it's kind of, wasn't kind of my scene. The only thing that I knew about inter International Women's Day was Troops out movement coming here and they had 40 earrings and DM boots 
and they spoke with an English accent and it was troops out and they were like the feminists. Even though when you when you think back, my mother was a feminist, but not in that fashion. Um, I was a feminist, but didn't know I was. So it wasn't about, it was about labelling. You know what, people, people in West Belfast thought International Women's Day was about the Troops Out movement and all that kind of stuff. So Pam Brayton from Double Joint and Mary Jones and Dan Gordon had put on a play during Fela in 95 called The Orange, The Green and The Tangerine. Personally, I thought it was crap, but anyway, I went to see it and after it, I got a yarn with Pam Brayton, who had been an English barrister and have moved into the BBC to do the arts. And I said to her, I have a project to do, um, but it's for International Women's Day, but International Women's Day doesn't affect me. What affects me is what the women from West Belfast were going through, and have been going through for years. I wanted to do something that told their story from their perspective, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I sat down with Pam um, a few weeks later and got a yarn and said, look, a drama, about We Marry Next Door. And I wanted to do something that she could identify with as a women's kind of empowerment. I didn't necessarily care about what the troops out were doing at that time. I just wanted to know that We Marry Down the Street, that I needed to do something that she related to, never mind what internationally it related to. And that's just me being honest about it. So we said, well, she said, well, look, why don't you consider doing a drama? You pick a topic and we'll talk about it. So friends of mine, um, Sue Ramsey, Brady McMacken, Amory Adams, Christine Poland, Maureen McGuinness, and Brady worked in the off-license at the top of the White Rock at the time. Brady's since passed away. So I went to see Brady in the off-license and says, Brady, I have to do SV project. And would you come to a wee meeting? I sure, I'll bring Amory and Maureen. And I says, right, I'll bring Sue and Christine. And we had done stuff in the past for the Women's Centre in the early 90s. This Is Your Life, we done on Tish Holland. We done This Is Your Life on Fran McCann. So we had a wee bit of knowledge about putting together an event. We had the meeting and we said, right, we'll have to do something for International Women's Day, what are we going to do? And I said, well, look, I was talking to this woman called Pam Brett and she's thinking, why don't we do the drama? And they were all like, we're not acting in a play, and I'm, saying, I'm not saying he's writing in a play, but so the, the conversation developed, and we decided that we would do a play that involved ex-prisoners, prisoners' families, and some people happened to be ex, they were ex-prisoners themselves, Brady, and different ones. Geraldine Clark was another one. Um, so we all met in the felons, Maria Gilmartin, and, and we said, right, we're doing a play, and we're going to make it about the parcel, because... Anybody who travelled to the case or wherever, it was always about the parcel. It was always about you scrimped and scraped in your own house to make sure that your loved one had what they needed. And that was a massive burden on single parents. It was a massive burden on families with unemployment the way it was and benefits the way they were. And so the, a, lot of, a lot of families went without too. And in England, visiting my parents, you weren't allowed to leave in parcels. So it was a really learning curve for me too. So we got talking and everybody started to tell their stories. Well, I remember this and I remember that. And Maria's husband was in, in the cash at the time and she started to tell her story. And it was very evident that these people were heroes in our own community and nobody was talking about it. Everything was about the prisoner. And in those days, it was all about, and, and, and rightly so, it was about the hunger strikes. It was about the blanket men and the blanket women. It was about all of that. But nobody talked about the families. 
So we came up with this idea, we'll talk, right, okay, well, we're writing a play. Ah, we don't want to be down on the mouth and we don't, and if you knew the characters of Brady and Sue and that, you knew you weren't going to get a serious drama out of it, albeit that it was the most touching drama of all the dramas we done. So we came up with a play and it was initially about the parcel and then we said, nah, it can't be about the parcel, it has to be about a collective of other stuff. So we decided, right, okay, well, we'll do it. The bus journey to the cash and home again. And that could translate to the loyalist community because they had their own buses going up and down to the cash. They would have the same issues, blah, blah, blah. So everybody started to write their own piece. It soon became a screen. And then other pieces were brought together by the artistic knowledge that Pam Brayton had that we couldn't see. She brought it in buckets full. You can't say that, here's how you should say it. And she was able to advise and she'd done amazing work with the girls. Of course, the girls were still saying we're not getting on the stage. So it opened on the International Women's Day 1996. Its premiere was in the films. And when Pam got the stage together, it was like seven foot tall. And we were saying, catch yourself on, Pam. It's a way up at the ceiling. And her, her advice was, if they can't see you, they can't hear you. And they won't hear your message. And she was right. So the girls were all backstage. Now Marie Adams was vomiting. And she, I'm not going on the stage, and she had to get three brandies through into her. And of course, I wasn't on the stage, but the room was packed, bummed, and we had a relay system for a screen at the back. Never seen the like of it. And the play was done, and the people were crying. Um, and even thinking back, it was extremely emotional. We didn't even realize that we were digging up all of these emotions within our own community. You know, it was, it was powerful. So it went on from there, and it toured it, 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 uh, Ireland. At every excuse the girls wanted to put the play on, and of course everybody was only too happy to facilitate it. Um, so it ended up, it, it went up for an award in City Council, and it won the inaugural Belfast City Council Arts, and a big dinner in the, in the City Hall. And of course we had said, look, we're up for this nomination. We all got dressed up, went to the City Hall, and Jerry Ah was there, and oh, everybody was there, and all the councillor, everybody. And when the call, we had said, listen, Maria Hamill will go up and pick up the award. Her husband was still in English jail at the time, and somebody else can go up with her. And it was a way of supporting the prisoners, but doing it in a soft, a soft way. The unionists, when they called out the name, the hall exploded. The unionists were raging, and of course the whole cast were up on the stage. <laughs> and then they started singing something inside some straw. Didn't go down very well, but it was a powerful amazement, and it was like, we've done this. We've told our story, and somebody else recognised it somewhere. So when it all died down after that, they decided, um, we have to do more. Oh my God, Pam Brighton was like on cloud nine. Girls, she knew she had a captive group of women who were not only talented in their own lives, but didn't even realise their own talent. Like writers came out of it, trainers came out of it, actresses came out of it. People just developed in front of you. And Marie Adams, who had been vomiting on the first night, was like in there, big time, going, what are we doing next, you know? Um, a confidence was building in the communities about community drama at that time and about here's how we're going to tell our story. We're not going to leave it to other people to tell it. We're telling it in our own words and we're not making excuses for it. So we all went away and decided we would constitute the group because it was a failed project. 
and there was no doubt that it was it was a Fail and Fogel original project. So the award went to Fail and Fogel. And the girls had then started talking about, well, why don't we do our own stuff? And and for me, community development is giving is supporting people in the foundations and letting them then develop. And that is community development. So I went to the committee and I asked the committee, would there be any opposition to these women forming their own? So that they had their own set of rules, they had their own, they weren't obligated to anybody. They could tell their story as they seemed fit, even though Fela's whole ethos was the same. And I remember Jordan McAteer saying, that's what this is about. And the committee passed that the girls should just, so we had a meeting in the Neuromore with Pam Brighton and Mary Jones. And that's what they came up with the name for the Just Us Theatre Company. Um, and it was a play on justice, as well as this is just us and, and we are who we are and we make no apologies for that. So we decided we would do another play. And Pam was like, well, you have to tell your story, you have to tell your story. And the girls were like, they were living it, they didn't see it as a big story. That's just our life. And Pam was horrified, you know, do you not understand what this means? So after a million meetings, we decided, okay, well, then we'll do a play. What are we going to call it? Well, we don't know what's it all about. Then somebody come up with, well, we all recognise Binlids is a recognisable sort of sort of um, thing that happened in times of crisis, in times of during hunger strikes, during raids, during the, a warning system within the community. Let's call it this Binlids. That's how the name came about. So I have got permission from Fela Management to work on that project outside of my own stuff, which was Fela Carnival. And community development. So the opening day or the launch of Fela 96 or sorry 97 was in Conway Mill and we had tickets for Binlids that was due in five weeks time and we hadn't got a script. We didn't know what we were doing. <laughs> we were selling tickets. Thinking back oh my god what was our heads. But by that stage Pam Brighton had I mean she was magical. She was good at what she'd done and we went there to a a production development meeting and she says right here's what we're going to do so a lot of the artistic stuff we just left the plan um a lot of the writing was done by christine poland um jade mcshockish done some of the writing danny morrison done some of the writing um, a lot of the writing was done within the confines of the group telling their stories how it happened over the years and it was all brought together by pam and went to this production meeting it was so funny up in biffy because that's where the play was going to be. And Pam says, okay, here's, we're going to have five stages and sentry boxes all around the place. And we were all going, that's brilliant, like. And I'll take care of all that. I have the production team in, in place. And um, where's the audience going, Pam? She says, oh, they're standing in the middle. And everybody in the room went, I fed on. <laughs> There's no way people are going to stand for two hours. You listen to me. If you tell this story the way it's, you're telling it to me, people are going to stand and listen. And I have to say, like, we walked out and said, she's to her, to her head's away, you know. Then we went in and seen the set dressed. It was, it was spanchily. It looked the part. So we started to rehearse and Sue, Sue and Brady carried on badly. We got, a, we got a line of a coffin out of Healy's for one of the hunger strike scenes. And Sue would get into the coffin and frighten the life out of Brady and all. And there was all sorts of stuff went on that was very bold. Sue and Brady would, the, the, just, the chemistry between them on stage was electric. 
and there was really powerful scenes, murder scenes. Um, and, and West Belfast's way of dealing with that was humour, black humour, and that's the way it was, and that's how you got through it. And Pam would scream at, up at them and all, it's not fucking Coronation Street. <laughs> and had a whole set of full of bits. And so there was that sort of great relationship. Pam couldn't get the humour at the start, you know. And it just developed. And then this yank came and says, would you like to bring it to America? And we all went, I bet on his head, Scott. And he did. And we all went to America for four weeks. 27 of us put it on on Lower East Side, Manhattan. Jerry Adams opened it. It was Jerry, Joe Keckle's first time being allowed in the States. Riverdance was on, A Night in November was on. So New York was Irish. But it was Irish in a way that it was political, but it was soft, the, the community sector and the Irish Arts Centre in um, New York. They sponsored it in terms of getting us their visas and stuff. And there was, you know, Brenda Murphy had, was an ex-prisoner. Brady was an ex-prisoner. We weren't sure they were going to get visas to come in. And, but anyway, it all worked out in the end. And we all, we worked there for four weeks. And uh, when we weren't working, we partied for four weeks. And it was amazing and amazing. It, something that would never kind of be replicated, I think, you know. Pam's vision was something that we couldn't see. But, and that's where you need the professional. Because when we done bin lids, we done, we got a grant from Training for Women's Network. And they paid us to bring in ordinary people to shadow the professionals. So we had kids doing foul lights, spotlighting. We had kids dressing the set. We had kids, and they were shadowing the production, the professional production. So it turned out a project that was made up of the professional world of the arts and the community sector. And they done a qualification on that. Um, so the girls came away with a knowledgeable um, kind of thing at the end of it, and so did the kids. So we were able to bring a couple of the kids to New York with us, had a ball. And when we came back, we decided, oh, it's like a big downer, right? We need to do something else. So we put bin lids on twice in Belfast. Three times, sorry, we put it on three times. And then we done, we wanted to do another play, but at this stage, Pam was saying, I, Pam didn't like doing comedies. Well, okay, we'll find somebody to do a comedy. So we got Dan in and Dan says, no problem, I'll, I'll direct for you, Dan Gordon. And we done a play called um, Murphy's Law. Massive hit. It's about a dog. Anyway, if you want to say, go and read the history on it, it was absolutely hilarious, brilliant. And it was that West Belfast humour and the girls had a ball doing it. And some of the girls actually were shadowing Dan in terms of directing and writing. And it was a great project. And then, Local activists had came and asked would the girls do a drama about Bella Murphy. In between, the girls had done dramas with Pam and Double Joint. She'd done um, different, and, and they toured Germany, they toured, you know, Anne-Marie and Brady, and all these people had all of these experiences out of it. But then we'd done a, a play called Ordinary People, Extraordinary Lives. And it was based on the role of honour for Bella Murphy, <coughs> the Republican role of honour. And we were like, well, we told a lot of that three bin lids. What, what is it that you want? So we went off and had a discussion between ourselves and just us and decided, right, okay, well, you know, if it's localised, it's a template that can be brought elsewhere. It doesn't need to be us to bring it. But if we can do something. So we agreed to do it. Um, Pam came in to direct. And it was about, we took each person on the role of honour. 
and we went to visit their families. And it was heartbreaking because from the day they died, their death became about how they died, not about the consequences of how they of, of their death. So we spoke to um, we spoke to a lot of families who hadn't spoke about their loved one in so long that they forgot detail. And that was about because any time they spoke about their loved one was in the sort of context of how they died. We wanted to explore how, well, how did they live? What was their dreams? And you know, they hear, well sure, she wanted to be a hairdresser all her life and he wanted to be a brickie and he was following in his daddy's footsteps to be a brickie and then this started and he joined and ended up whatever. And it was powerful to hear the living story of the person. So the play then turned full circle and became the story of their lives rather than their deaths. And it was powerful. And we invite, on the opening night, we invited the whole family, all the families. And I remember one of the wives of one of the dead volunteers saying, it's been that long from I spoke about him alive that I'm forgetting how we lived. Because every time we're at, a, at an event, it's about his sacrifice for his country and all of that, which is right. But we also had a life. So when she seen him being brought to life on the stage, she was, she was blew away by the whole thing. And it was a great healing project for families as well. Um, it was a, a massively emotional for the cast and for the researchers. Myself and Omri Adams done a lot of research together. And we used to come out of houses and, and, and just be totally shell-shocked by their stories, you know their life stories rather than their death stories. So since all of that, um, I moved on to a different job and um, Riley passed away, which, well, Pam passed away first, which was a massive, massive loss to the arts world, <coughs> particular community development and drama. Then Brady died suddenly on holiday. And I think today we're still shell-shocked by Brady's passing. Sue got ill, although she would claim to be ill. I don't think there's anything wrong with her. And, you know, we're all getting together tomorrow night and hopefully having a wee bit of a laugh. We've stayed close friends. I don't think that bond will ever be broke. And people still are talking about what we used to do. And now you have Brass Neck Theatre and they've carried on that whole thing um, with community drama and it's amazing. It's amazing the work that they're doing. And we would go to their plays as a group and cheer them on and stuff, you know. So my days in Fela, I'll never forget. And it's grown from strength to strength. I think probably I would do the community de development differently, but that's everybody's own take on how community development works, you know. Um, for me, the highlights of the fela were definitely the dramas and the drama queens involved. And the, watching the local street committee become a residence association, for me, that was, this is what it's about. It's about empowerment and it's about individual empowerment as well.